How's it going, Dan? It's good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Listeners didn't hear the half an hour of us faffing around with technology to get this here uh, podcast recorded. I know. It felt like you were Lindelof and I was Maguire. Actually, you could be Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being Maguire. You could be Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Harry then. I mean, I guess there's other people we need to talk about uh, in regards to yesterday's game. But Harry did his best to make sure United didn't get those points, didn't he? And I, Quality finish from the lad. <laughs> oh man! In the time, in the time it took for United to score the winner, he was the only person in the world sweating more than John Moss. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> I had some sympathy with him because he doesn't know the man behind him is offside, so yeah. he does have to play it. Like he could have totally bottled it and not played it. Would have been the right decision, which is just how it's going for him at the moment. It's not that that tips me over any edges with him. Ultimately. No, he's he's made many grosser errors than that one. It, it was, I, I mean, at this stage, I just I do kind of laugh when he cocks up like that. It's a quirk of the offside law, though, isn't it? Because he's played that ball because presumably he knows someone is there uh, and it's allowed. We had a couple of quirks. We had the quirks with the... I'm saying quirks a lot here now. We had the two penalty incidents, the one not given... When Ronaldo hit Eric Dyer's hand and the one given on Alex Tellez, and they weren't that different. I thought that the Tellez one, that once he's given it, he it would be wrong to overturn it. Yeah. If if that had gone against us, I wouldn't have been that bothered not to get that penalty because, in the end, here I, I, it comes down to the fact that a penalty is far too harsh a punishment for most yes. of the offences for which it's awarded. Yes, yes. And I do have a hobby horse here about what I think should happen. And it would be inviting a whole load of different kind of aggravation, but I think it would make the game fairer, is that any foul outside of the box or inside the box that you think denies a goal-scoring opportunity should be a penalty. And any nonsense handball or tackle in the box that doesn't, the ref doesn't, doesn't deny a goal-scoring opportunity, then that can just be a direct free kick. Obviously, you're asking the refs to make a judgment, but you're asking them to yes. make that judgment every time anyway because they've got to start thinking about whether it's a booking or a red card. Well, that's that's right. I mean, it would only just be an extension of the triple jeopardy thing that's happening now anyway because they've got to decide whether it's a goal-scoring opportunity and whether there's a genuine attempt at making a tackle. So there's a lot of subjectivity. I mean, I, I know a few people have... Uh, there was a piece in The Athletic a couple of weeks ago they're probably listening. That's why they they heard you talking about it previously. And, and you're totally right. I mean, the chance of, of Spurs scoring from that position is very low. So uh, just the stats on a ball in from that position in the penalty area, very low chance of them scoring. So they obviously got a, a big reward for that one. And obviously the chance of Ronaldo scoring with the one he struck, which was going wide anyway, was zero. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I don't know why, I just found myself thinking back to that Harry Maguire own goal and you effectively said it was one of his better errors. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. That is not a good season. The high point, no. was, the high point was the own goal against Tottenham. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, of the 27 errors. I mean, look, there's plenty of people who made mistakes in the United's defence yesterday. David De Gea, he's, he confounds me all the time because... You look at the numbers and he's having a great season. His his post shot expected goals against versus actual expected goals against is like it's it's the best in the league by miles. He's saved United ten goals or something. And yet 
He can't take a simple ball three yards from his line. <laughs> he absolutely craps himself. Still, after all uh, these it's years, it's really of being a weird when you see players with particular faults that are so obvious. Why? Yep. How are they not able to improve them? Like the other one to me that I, I always know. think of is Berbatov. Why didn't someone say after you've done the clever bit where you control the ball like on the tip of your toe and bring it yep. down in one movement forty yards out? As soon as you've done that and knocked the ball off, run to get into the box. Yep. That's it. Like, if he'd just have done that, he'd have been 20% better player. Yeah, yeah. And, that's say, right. and as you say with De Gea, just, you've got to come off your line sometimes. You've <laughs> yeah, got just... to let the defender... And that's the thing. He does save United more than Henderson would. And I don't, Henderson doesn't seem particularly good goalkeeper to me. But... And I, I don't think that the De Gea's inability to play football yep. and the fact that he won't come off his line makes it very hard to play a high line. Yeah, yeah. And it hasn't, For sure, yeah. I don't know if it's a coincidence. That Maguire's best form for United came in front of Henderson, not in front of De Gea. Yeah, that's right. So I think the two things work together. Maguire can't play a high line because he's slow and, and clumsy. <laughs> As we saw, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have oh, a particularly, particularly good touch. You can't really read positional sense, and oh, it's probably put off by a bit of sledging, whatever. Uh, and his bit, head's a bit big, so he's probably unbalanced. All of those things, and then having De Gea behind him, who doesn't communicate and won't come off his slide, <laughs> it makes it all of a bit of a mess. Anyway, fortunately, we had the man who calls himself a goat, which I really don't think he's on. I don't think you're allowed to call yourself a goat. It should be an award that's given to you by the community. But anyway, he called himself a goat on Twitter yesterday. Uh, Ronaldo scoring a hat-trick and a very good one as well. It was an absolutely ridiculous one. There's something special about a hat-trick when they're all the goals that your team score. Not 3-0 yeah. and a 4-2 or something, but no, 3-2. Sure. And you, like The other one that sprung to mind was uh, Berbatov against Liverpool. Right. And that was also a great hat-trick. Yes. Yes, well, we didn't get an overhead from Ronaldo, but we got a 25-yarder into the top corner where Eric Dyer backed off and backed off and basically said, there you go, Mr. Ronaldo, please please score. And the tap-in, which I think is the goal that we all want him to score, right? Uh, just getting into the box, playing in behind the defender and a fine ball from Jadon Sancho. And then the bullet header from the, the corner. I mean, it's perfect, all of them. Yeah, exa- exactly that. It's the, the, the first goal. I mean, when you see him lining it up, I won't deny that part of me is thinking, oh, come on, man, stop it. <laughs> but every now and again, that is what happens. Yes. I yes. sort of felt, and I still, I feel like an idiot when I say it, but I still think it. I felt like Loris could have saved it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's dipped very late, hasn't it? And it's not far away from his, He's his really, not really right close. The top corner. He's really close. Yeah. And I think that if he goes... The second if he hits it, he probably gets there and he pauses a second. That's not not a second, but just like a beat. So yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, but yeah, it it would be uh, it would be harsh on Ronaldo to take any of the shine off that one, I suppose. Oh, it was a great hit. Whether whether keeper should have saved it or not, it was it was a great hit. But I just had that feeling, and I mean, prior to that in the game, I, I, United did not play well. No. That's right. Let Spurs have a lot of possession. The first half was better than the second, for sure. Got very, very passive in that second half and just let Spurs have... They played um, some good stuff, but they always yeah. do, because yeah. there's too many good players in that team. 
for it not to be good sometimes, sporadically. It's just, they're not, they're weirdly inconsistent, because they're not very particularly inconsistent between the games. They're inconsistent within the games. You've, watched, seen, you've seen that game numerous times with varying results, where they play yep. well for a bit, they play crap for a bit. Yep. And they, and that's what happened yesterday, and because the good players can be so good, and Fred was also so good yesterday. Yep, great. I mean, it's just mad. I've watched these games, and every five seconds, I find myself saying, Fred's not a six, McTominay's not a six. Because when they're no, not, if they were... They're if, much better. If either of them were the least good player in a midfield three, yep. then the midfield three might be all right. Yeah, I mean, they're still not good yeah. enough, really, either of them. But if, but if they were just a number eight with a really good player behind them, and Bruno, then they'd make a lot more sense. They would. I mean, Fred, Fred uh, had one of his best games for United yesterday. He was he was all over the place. Got another assist. I mean, it's one of those ones where it shouldn't really count as a whole assist, but it's a nice little tickle. Well, what he did was so. Ronaldo. What he did was great. Like, he he did. What he did was great. He did yeah. do something significant. It just there was yes. still a lot of work to do subsequently. <laughs> There's a lot lot that came after that. Yeah, but that's uh, that's four assists in the Premier League this season. That's more than De Bruyne and more than Foden. Just <laughs> <laughs> one of those weird quirks. I'm not saying he's better than either but uh, yes he is much better than both of them we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but get yeah, all over the place and and making ball recoveries and interceptions and he's just so much better when he doesn't have to do all of that for sure and not not that i'm suggesting we play Nemanja Matic each week i it mean a I bold think... decision to put him in the team in the first place. <laughs> i didn't think he was any good when he was at his peak so yeah seeing yeah, yeah. not i think he was rubbish but he wasn't. He passes the ball slowly. He doesn't pass it forward, and that was when, at his peak, he didn't really do that. He occasionally yeah. now he can carry the ball well sometimes, and occasionally you'll you'll hear see him play a perceptive pass like the one yesterday. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I I just you just look at the midfield, and it's just it's just an abomination. Like, are they going to Solskjaer played in front of probably the greatest midfield in the history of English football? Right. Right, right. He must have known. And yet. And yet, yeah. And yet he spent uh, 40 million quid on Ahmad and bought Palistri and yep. bought Wan-Bissaka when, spent 80 million quid on Maguire when the midfield yep. was the midfield. It's just. I know. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I don't know how much Oli wanted these players or knew about these players, but it feels like an institutional failure on so many of them. We've got the analytics department. We've got the head of scouting, we've got John Murta, we've got the manager, whether it's Mourinho with Fred or Ollie with Maguire. We've got Ed Woodward and we've got Joel Glazer and all of them had to sign off on Harry Maguire at 80 million, Fred at 52 million, Wan Bazak, who didn't play yesterday at 50 million. There's just It's just shocking, really, that, that no other business would spend this much capital um, from their free cash flow. And the managerial, you know, the executives survive and be this bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just wouldn't be if you like take any other industry, it just wouldn't be accepted. So it's amazing. But the thing about the midfield also is the madness of what a Fergie issue it was not signing one between Owen Hargreaves and Nick Powell. That's indeed what. Yep. That's indeed what he was. And Whatever happened to Nick Powell? Is he is he still playing uh, football? Yes, I think he might be playing quite well, or had been playing quite well for Stoke, maybe. 
Awesome. <laughs> anyway, I distracted you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, as a club, we've been unable to sign high-quality midfielders, but when's the last one that worked out? I mean... It's, it's a very long time ago, isn't it? You saw it. I mean, we saw it yesterday, and I, I'm hoping that we don't see it again on Tuesday night because it felt like you could look at the game and just say, well, Spurs scored a penalty and an own goal. And um, that was that. But they did have more of the play. And in the first half in particular, that like they might score on various occasions. I wasn't really yeah. nervous. Before they equalised, I didn't think they were going to. And I also thought United would score again after they did, after Spurs did equalise. But the amount of play they had in dangerous areas in the, in the first half was extremely troubling given how crap Spurs are. I mean, it was it was a proper old school yep. United Spurs game, actually. Like two, it was, two shit teams, yeah. loads of goals and on TV. <laughs> well, Spurs had a lot of good positions in wide areas, didn't they, with Reguilón and whoever the other fullback was. Mac Doherty. So... It, it was. It didn't really surprise me that both their goals came from those positions. One with the penalty, and and the other with the ball across that Harry put into his own net. I mean, it seemed like they were getting overloads there just because both of the Spurs forwards were able to pull out into the channel. And uh, United don't have any good fullbacks, as I well couldn't... as no good centre backs and no good central <laughs> midfielders. I couldn't help but endure a wry grimace when Roy Keane who obviously doesn't rate Harry Maguire I was extremely sympathetic about that own goal he scored because it was extremely similar to the one against Real Madrid that Keane scored which even now still Hurts. yeah the European Cups that got away I know for a lot a lot of people will say well 2003 and um, 97 yeah but the ones for me that got away and the reason I think they got away is because they're the seasons I were sure United were the best team in Europe was 2000 where they were still the best yes and yeah. uh, 2000, 2007 when we lost to Milan because yes. the defenders were injured but, yeah well that's right I mean certainly uh, we're going off off on a tangent here but the semi-final loss to Leverkusen that's the one everyone will think about of course I mean it was a great Real Madrid side and then the was it a quarterfinal or semi-final loss to Dortmund? That's the, the 97. The Dortmund one, was 97, it? but yeah. you could you could easily have lost to Juventus in the final, whereas yeah. 2000, Madrid played Valencia in the final. United were just the best team yes. around then. I th- but yes, yeah. back to Harry Maguire and that own goal and uh, United's <laughs> terrible defending. Gary Neville was saying on Sky that um, to make Spurs' system work, you need proper, brilliant wing-backs. Yes. And he doesn't have them. And you see it with Chelsea as well. Basically, yes. yeah. Chilwell and Reese James are their number 10s and they've both been injured around yep. the time. Chelsea Chelsea haven't been getting very many good results. So, um, yeah, it, you, didn't, you don't feel that they're that dangerous Tottenham in general play because they're otherwise, apart from Kane and Son, who are the, the finishing touches players, really, Yeah, the players behind them aren't that good. Um, no, that's right, and they're they're very Bentecur is there, and and Hoiberg is very mere, isn't he? Hoiberg, so it's just <laughs> he. I, I don't know why he really he really rankles with me, Hoiberg. Um, I think he's just like that kind of player that you get told is good when he joins a new club or something because he just is, does very simple things, but actually. He doesn't do enough of any of the things. He doesn't do well. enough of anything at all, yeah. He um, was, well, when Mourinho signed him, it was for, there was about 10 minutes of, oh, what a great signing. It's just like, nah, man, yeah. he's still that player at Southampton. 
who yeah. can't run them passes in sideways. It's... Yeah, yeah, that's right. He had one shot mm. yesterday, Hoiberg, and he's, you know, shanked it over and he looked very ungraceful. Ungraceful, is that a word? In doing it as well. So, yeah, there's not much behind the, the front three. I think, you know, Kulisevsky's uh, integrated himself well into the Spurs side. He's a decent player, isn't he? He's probably a Spurs-level player. Who knows? He's young, so, so maybe he can improve. I thought United had a fair amount of control in midfield, despite our dreadful midfield <laughs> we're fortunate that the the opposition midfield's even more dreadful it was just out wide that that Spurs were getting the opportunities and it's fortunate they didn't take more of them in that first half and then in the second half they just had they had a, so much of the ball and it's just this we've mentioned it on the pod before it just felt very weak from United they go ahead and they get passive 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 and so it wasn't surprising when Spurs finally got the, the second goal though the second goal was was a was a great goal because what I really liked about that goal was that the second Spurs step up... The second up, United Sancho, goal. Yeah, Sancho. Yeah. Sancho, he's he's onto it. The second yep. he sees the opportunity, he's onto it. And the timing of the pass was also brilliant. Where he, it's almost a half volley, the pass. It's first touch, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the... I always say this. But the thing with him is I, when he used to, I used to see him occasionally and think he must be hard to play with because he's so unpredictable. that Defenders yeah. don't know what he's going to do. But... Because he can do so many different things, I wondered if the strikers didn't know what to do. And watch him a little bit more and playing for United, obviously seeing him regularly. And actually, the striker doesn't need to think about what he's going to do. They have to go to where they want the ball to come. And there's a good yep. chance the ball will come there. And he'll get it there in whatever way will fox the defender. But he don't, you don't need to know how he's going to put how he's just go, just do what you would do. And he'll, he'll, yes. he'll get the ball there. And the second goal well exactly and Ronaldo's made the run and that was exactly just, the kind of goal that I thought Ronaldo would score a lot of for us this season right and that he hasn't is not all his fault the service obviously been rank and Greenwood and Rashford aren't those kinds of players really but Sancho is that to knit the play together right Sancho is that kind of player and it's just if Ronaldo keeps making those runs and United move the ball quickly there should be goals like that but I felt like also Sancho, that running backwards thing he does after he's celebrating creating a goal for someone with his arms by his side as they as they thank him. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that. Yeah, I, we're seeing more of the Sancho that was in the Bundesliga where he would play across all three front positions or behind the main striker in any one game and across the season as well and just knits the team together really well. It's good. It's a good job given that Cavani's never fit. Mason is... Um, not going to be playing for a while and Rashford just is absolutely still in the toilet when it comes to his form it's a good job that Sancho's found his um found some form because we'd be in dire straits otherwise yeah he's a special player and um yeah I think and the thing with Ronaldo is and him as well is that it's it's not really been like people still think that the problem with Ronaldo is the pressing and that is a problem if you want to press I mean, I think he can do a better job of getting in the way, getting in the way and blocking passing lanes, and he does. But it's the point with Ronaldo, isn't it? Now that he's not pressing, is he's playing out his ass. So yeah. forget the pressing. Yeah. It's that when he's getting on the ball, bad things are happening. He's ruining moves yeah. and he's missing easy chances. Yeah. That was the problem with Ronaldo over the last bit of time. Make like the pressing. That's just like that's just gravy. I mean, or whatever bum gravy. It's just annoying. <laughs> so. But if he keeps making those runs, and if he plays with the aggression that he played with, I, Ralph was right, I thought, what he said afterwards, that it's the playing with aggression. And that's the big difference yes. is, I mean, and it probably didn't do him any harm to 
have that hip flexor problem. Yeah, yeah, his little trip to Portugal. 40, and 47 goals across all competitions because he was pissed off afterwards and maybe he needs to play a bit more pissed off because he played with much more aggression than before. I don't want him coming deep for two reasons. One, it gets in Bruno's zone and Bruno's our most creative player. Obviously, wasn't playing yesterday. Not Pogba playing in that position wasn't very good, really. He was dreadful yesterday, Pogba. Yeah. And so it gets in Bruno's zone uh, and we don't have a point to the attack. And if you're playing Sancho, he's not going to necessarily provide that in the way that, say, Greenwood or Rashford might do. So Ronaldo just needs to be up there. Now, if he drops into space and can hit one from 25 yards, that looks a bit like that one he scored against Porto all those years ago. Great bonus. But yeah, and the pressing thing, I think United have given up on that. They're just not, they didn't do any counter pressing yesterday. There was no attempt at coordinated counter press. So I just, I think Ralph has just gone, I've got the players I've got. He hate. he's sick of them already. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like Gary Neville also said it. We've been saying it for weeks, but just like, it doesn't seem like he's enjoying the job that he likes the players. (laughs) It's not the squad, it's not the shape of squad that he would build. But it's a funny thing with these players because individually, I quite like a lot of them. But as a collective, I feel I felt much more animus towards them than I have towards many, just because I think they're wastrels as a they're collective as they're just about they're wastrels collectively because they should be so much better than this. They they should be, and we have so much evidence over so much time. Uh, It's going to be really interesting because obviously we're feeling a bit better because United have won this game, but it's still true that there's five plays out of contract this summer, six the next, and I think a couple of them have one-way extensions. Rashford does. But they're going to, the club's going to have to make bid decision on a new contract for Luke Shaw, David De Gea, and Marcus Rashford. Like, like do any have any of them earned that? And, you know, it's a, I'm zooming out again, but it's going to be a big decision. I mean, Rashford has, Rashford, Rashford has yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be wanting to get rid of Rashford at this point. I want to see Rashford under the, whoever the next guy is. Definitely. For sure, yeah. And United have got enough time to to make that decision after the new guys come in because they've got that history. And yeah. you have to also remember that United haven't looked after Rashford well. How many different managers has he played for telling him to do how many different things? Not that well. And he all still takes responsibility for his own improvement. Like his, his effort should be better. His finishing should be better. And that's, that's, a, that's, not, that's not really a matter of coaching, either of those things. But that's a, either you can or you can't do it. Or make, or you put in the work, or you don't. I don't know what the reason would be, but you know, I I can't blame Ole or Mourinho for that. Much much as I would happily do so if I could. I mean, I'd definitely keep him. De Gea, like no interest in keeping him beyond what there is. But there's just so much work to do in the summer, which is why it's probably a good, not a bad thing that we've got Rangnicking now. That at least he's going to be involved because any kind of head start they can get. So if you look at the players, you think they yeah. need to get rid of. Martial, Pogba, Lingard, Bailly, Jones, one of Dallo and one Bissaka, I think has to go because neither of them are yeah. good enough. So you need to get someone in who is and have one of the two. And of them. it'll be Dallo that will be sold, whether we think that's the right decision or not, just because he's the one that you can get some kind of feed for. Uh, Henderson. So Henderson will Henderson's have to go. Henderson's got to go. And Cavani is Cavani's going. going. I'd get rid of Ronaldo as well. Um, yeah, unless he's prepared to sit on the bench and play in the Europa. 
it's funny that he's played his way into form just before a Champions League tie with Atletico. Yeah, yeah, I know. Interesting that, yeah. There's so much work to do. I mean, like, in the short term, you actually still have a chance of making top four. It doesn't look good. I mean, Arsenal are winning as we're speaking. Chelsea won very late today as well. Okay, I like. I, I, we'll talk about this more on the backers content, but if you're going to make a scumbag bracket, Chelsea and Newcastle and City and PSG would would be your semi finalists, right? So it's pretty hard watching Newcastle versus Chelsea today. Who's caused the most damage to the world? Anyway, so United got a chance, and and the short term is Ragnik as he's got ten games, ten, nine or ten games can't remember to to get as many points as possible and see where United end up and it seems like like for the longer term picture he's not involved in I mean he said and he plays a pretty straight bat on most of this he said he's not involved he's not had any discussions about who the new manager is so it seems like that's not going to be his role I'm sure he'll be involved in the actual conversation and and then obviously the new he will have a dossier for the new manager telling him who to hate immediately and that may be the most valuable you know, here's your list of wasters. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the new manager will want to have a look at his own, uh, at the players as well. But yeah, I think that having a man on the inside is probably would be quite helpful because he's quite a dispassionate bloke. Yeah, yeah. Also, that Ronaldo third goal. Why can't we keep putting... I don't understand. It seems to me that corners are quite a repeatable skill. Yes, yeah, you'd think and so. And there are certain places that the ball goes to where they'll be quite dangerous. If you could constantly hit one at the front post, that is yep. one place. And where, like, close to the penalty spot is another. Yep. It's another good place. I know there's the particular makeup of runs and blocking moves and all of that kind of stuff that you can coach. You can go and do that. And that's what our set piece, piece coach, whose name I can never remember, is supposed to go do but yeah a simple ball like Alex Tello's floating it to around the penalty spot and Ronaldo leaping like a salmon to bank one in you know it's it's quite basic isn't it yeah having run through like a group of them cluster together so you can't mark them yep but I mean it was an amazing header and like the way that his eyes are on the ball is just absolutely feral yeah yeah it wasn't yep. an unbelievable header I mean it's great look it's two goals from 152 corners this season though Right, but what is it? Two from the last, about two from the last. How many? You can start this count whenever you yeah. like. And I, it's true. Well, we two from must be about two from the last ten. Who can who can beat that? Look, if United keep doing that, that'll be very good. Chelsea have scored, I think it's seventeen goals from defenders this season. No, but we are that. We separate their wing backs, so they're kind of the number tens, aren't they? So there yeah. is a probably. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. Reese James would probably have more goals than Diego Dallo if he played in United's flat back four as well. I think that sure. um, that's yeah. probably fair to say. Anyway, so it, lo- it leaves the United in a, well, it's same, same, isn't it, coming out the end of the weekend. But it's one of those ones that absolutely, because it was definitely, any hopes of Champions League next season was definitely dead if Spurs had won this one. And it could have gone either, either way in the last 20 minutes. I mean, I felt that actually they saw it out. I mean, not, it was only wasn't, wasn't long, but they did see it out fairly well. It wasn't that they should have scored more goals, in fact. The substitution that was made just after the Ronaldo scored was Ronaldo off and Lindelof on. And I wonder whether that was the substitution that he was trying to make just before the goal. Because it Lindelof was. He was said out it, there warming up. He said up. it was. Right. 
So he's going to pull Ronaldo off in any, of course, narrative. <laughs> well, he might not have taken. He, he might not have been Ronaldo who went off. I think, right? Because of that, I guess two-one. How long were to go? It was two-one. Yeah, there was about twenty minutes to go, and it looked like he was going to go. I mean, assuming Lindelof was coming on for an attacking player, and he would have gone to a back three. Yeah, and yeah, because he just doesn't trust these guys. I mean, he said it over and over again. We had to be more secure. We have to. We have to see these games out. So they don't defend well at all, and. That's why it's very hard to know what's going to happen when they play Atletico on Tuesday. Like, there's a few other things that happen in world football. Do we want to talk about any of that? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so let's do that, and then we'll talk about United and Atletico. So, for the last three weeks in a row, we've talked about Chelsea. (laughs) Like, it's a. United podcast, but we have to talk about these scumbags. I guess you'd say the British government finally got around to doing the right thing. And it was really interesting because we talked about Abramovich and his background and where his money came from. And they didn't mention any of that in the order that the British government put out. They mentioned his relationship to the steel company's name I've totally forgotten now, which is apparently a major supplier to the Russian army. So it's even more damning than we'd we'd put it. It was yeah, you're involved in this you're you're involved in this invasion. Actually when we said recently that if he was better than City's owners and Newcastle's owners, it wasn't by much. It's now yep. that that distance is reduced. He's closed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. really closed the gap there. The boy the boy Roman. <laughs> it, it it still hasn't said anything and Chelsea still haven't mentioned that there's a war going on in any of their official communications poor old Tuchel who I you know it, it, he's not poor and I don't feel sorry for him I think he's not um, old either he might his, be younger than both of he's us he's not that old is he younger than yeah, both so of none, us I think he might be <laughs> probably yeah I, I did look this up at one stage there are six managers in the Premier League who are younger than I am and that was a real f- my life <laughs> moment I have to say I'm not going to make it Dan I realised a few years ago I'm not going to make it as a Premier League footballer or or play cricket for England although right now I, I don't know I might, 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 might be edging the squad and I'm not going to make it as a Premier League manager either I remember saying to one of the guys I go with that um, Rio's finished and then I was like hang on he's one of the ones who's roughly the same age as me and it's just like yep. oh I am also finished <laughs> And I haven't won the European Cup or been captain of Man United, so... It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. No, it... I completely lost track of myself. But but so, yeah, that order came out and Chelsea is an asset of Brandon Pitch and so that's completely frozen and they've been very specific in terms of how Chelsea now has to be run with a, a bunch of weird consequences. They basically can't make any new revenue because the government cannot have any kind of legal assurance that it would not go to Abramovich or add to the value of the sale, right? And it's not even clear how they can sell the club. It seems under the licence they'll be allowed to, but it's not actually clear that they can do that. Is he going to just end up having to give it away to someone, the richest person of his choosing? It it could be that, or the money has to go into a trust, and somewhere down the line, after a whole bunch of court cases, he'll grab the money. But it's definitely not going going to him straight away, because Vlad's wallet can't actually literally become Vlad's wallet. I was thinking about, what I was thinking about Abramovich is because we talked about him either last week or the week before, and I was saying that he's basically, you can imagine, as a Jew, you can imagine the cartoon that he would be. And then I was thinking about it some more and thinking, 
does he get away with the fact that he has quite a benevolent looking face? He's got a kind of sad looking face, don't you think? I don't I don't I don't mean it as a joke, like he doesn't look he doesn't have an evil face. And Right. I think if he looked more evil than he does, I think that he would have got away with less in that kind of roll dog mentality that we have that people look like who they are in some way it's, a, it's an interesting theory i mean maybe yeah and abramovich to me like putin looks like what he is like you look at him and you're yes. like oh man whereas abramovich <laughs> you look at him and you're like oh man but only because you know like if you saw him that wouldn't be something that would occur to you like he doesn't he doesn't have that and i think sometimes that can have quite a significant effect on how we I mean, to look at it in a completely different context, for example, like Robin Cook was the most able Labour politician of his generation. But no one, the thing that was said at the time was that he looks like a gnome. You can't, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't run the country. He'll never win, yeah. he'll never win yeah. an election because of that. It's like the, the thing in Back to the Future where the doc realises that Ronald Reagan is the prime minister, the president, and he's like, of course, you've got to look good on TV. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of study about this, actually, when it comes to politics and the impression people make. And, of course, Milibad eating the sandwich was uh, given at least some credit in his defeat uh, in elections. And also, I don't I don't know whether Roman's sort of soft features have saved him before now, but maybe. I always I wondered if I always wondered if that was the vengeful God of the Old Testament, who was like, mate, you can't eat a bacon sandwich. I'm afraid I'm going to have to have you for that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, not sticking to his roots. Well, anyway, so Chelsea, I, I don't feel sorry for them because they had, they've had they had 20 years That's of, of... literally the deal. That is the Faustian <laughs> deal that they made, right? And it has come back At to At some them. point, there might be some aggravation. But in that time, in the time that's elapsed between then and now, you've had success and joy and laughs that you could never have yes. dreamt of. Now, look, depending on who the next owners are, they're not going to get a nation state next they get they're gonna have to downgrade oh, themselves to just your standard billionaire <laughs> and which means it's almost certainly going to be u.s based or a consortium including u.s based and they run clubs very differently so the good times of roman bankrolling this club and he still has been because they have racked up a lot of debt to him which he's turned into equity uh, still now even though they're nearer to being a break-even club so it's going to be a very different time for them they are not going to and there's no path to a new stadium it seems at least not in the the vicinity so they're going they are going to go back to being something different as a club after this and of course there's much more serious stuff in the world than talking about Chelsea's finances but yeah yeah I mean it sort of depends if because you get to a position now where there might be enough money in the game for them to be able to compete if they get the right managers. Because I think one of the things that is increasingly in evidence to me is that there are more good players now than they've ever been before. And more skillful players now than they've ever been before. Way, way more. If you think about how many brilliant, the current English team, think about the quality of the squad, the players that can't even get in the squad. Then think about the generation that are just behind them. If you look at United now, we'll talk about the youth team in a bit, but the standard, think about how many players United have below the age of 22 who you think have a chance of making it. Loads. Sure. And, and then if you think about, say, between the class of 92 and Fergie going, the only players that made it were Fletcher, 
O'Shea, who wasn't, who joined late, and uh, then you've got like Cleverly and Welbeck, like almost no one. And right. if you look at it now and you think, well, Greenwood had made it, obviously, but turned out to be a scumbag. But then behind him, you've got Laird, Garnacho, like all the midfield players in that in that current youth team, excellent. Yep. But Chelsea, if you look at the... They're in the Youth Cup final. Look at the yep. players Chelsea are bringing through, Mason Mount, Reese James. And they've, sure, got yeah. lo- they've got loads of players below that. And they're just Arsenal as well. They've got loads... Loads of good young players because more and more kids are playing football and getting good at it and getting spotted and getting into the system because no one wants to sure. miss out on anyone. And so, oh no, that's right. And they all have under nines teams now. So that so. gives that gives Chelsea a good chance, nonetheless, because I think teams are more and more trying to produce their own players. So you then will have money to go and spend elsewhere. Sure, and they've done very well, Chelsea, in selling those. It's been their fourth revenue stream behind Gates, TV and commercial, hasn't it? Selling off players uh, for good well, it's money. it's like a business. It's a, who they weren't going to use. It's a separate business. It's yeah. like a TV production company having a talent on. Yeah, exactly. It depends on when they're sold. If it's soon and it comes before the licence runs out, then they will presumably be able to sell off some of those players and get a new owner in and there'll be some kind of room for doing something in the summer if it's after the summer if it takes months for the sale to happen and it could do then they'll obviously lose a bunch of players this summer and they won't be able to sign any on but you would expect a deal yeah. this big to take a lot of time normally does yeah normally does so they have i was just looking back to the the last pre-pandemic financials which is the only kind of the so 1920 you know you can most of that season was completed so chelsea were fourth in the revenue table then probably made a 50 million pound loss that season which they tend to so there'll definitely be a reworking of their finances in terms of money put in it's not going to get better it's not going to get better if they've got a good manager they might be able to hold it roughly where they are but it definitely leaves them more vulnerable when they make when they make a bad decision yeah so anyway, that's Chelsea. Everton weren't impacted as much. I mean, they haven't said anything about Usmanov and uh, they said they'd cut ties, but they've not said they're repaying the money. <laughs> they uh, lost again today. They're in some big trouble, Everton are. They did. And Leeds won. Yeah, Leeds, Everton or Burnley, basically, is that last spot. I never thought I'd be disappointed if but if it, Burnley were to go down. But where it is now, I would be disappointed if Burnley go down because it is Everton or Leeds otherwise. Yeah, we've had some good choices for that one. So we'll chat about that a bit more in the backers content. But it's, yeah, definitely interesting times for football. I mean, obviously, it always feels insignificant having football finance chat when people are getting blown up. But they reflect each other. All the pieces matter. But they do. And, and funny thing is, you can't take the politics out of sport. And the government finally realised that one. So anyway... That, that's what happened this week. Third week in a row talking about Chelsea for a significant amount of time. Do you have any people we get into... that you feel an unusual level of dislike for, considering they're kind of insignificant to you? As in, well, I don't have massive animus towards this Arsenal team. And yet, Arteta, someone who I just find really grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah, I mean... He's, I, I can't say I hate him any more than anyone else, but he's definitely a bit of a twat and uh, he's got this kind of kind of smug sense to him. He's got a quiet man's Brendan Rodgers. Yeah. That's it's like who 
has this tremendously high opinion of himself. He does. Without tremendous quantities of reasons to have that. Fewer than Brendan, in fairness. Yeah. And, but it's with him, it's the way that he wants to personify like this kind of terse toughness. He w- it's so ill-fitting. <laughs> it really is. It's, yeah. It's just, yeah. So, sadly, it looks like he's going to, he's going to get what he wants. And because Arsenal won five in a row in the Premier League now, which is uh, unfortunate, I'd say. Anyway, shall we talk about Atletico? Yes, let's. Got any feelings about how this one's going to go? Uh, a sensible performance should be enough to beat them. Because really, like, if you think about how dreadfully United played in that first game, United, United. Yeah. Make, if you want to beat this team, United team, you should have to score three times to to beat them. Because the, the firepower yeah. they have, I would back them to score twice in most games, unless they finished the way they finished when they kept not doing that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I do fancy United, but they're liable to collapse at any moment of any game, and against slightly better opponents, you don't get to have another chance always. Yeah, Atletico played Friday night and beat uh, Cadiz 2-1. Uh, I just, just think Suarez didn't play in that one. It was Griezmann and Jao Felix up front. Jao Felix has come into some form just at the wrong time as well. So I think that's three or four on the bounce Atletico have now won. They came out of their slump, apart from the game against us. They came out of their slump just in time, which was perfect. So I don't know. United can't play worse than he did in the first game. They were absolutely dreadful in that game and they got away with one. And but I do worry about our ability to like keep it keep it sane at the back. Yeah, that's that's the problem is is the defending. I don't know what back four you play in that game because it feels like it is going to be Maguire because he's he's decided it is just going to be Maguire when he's fit. It's Maguire and Varane, and there's not that long to go in the season now, and it's going to be Maguire and Varane, and that's just what it's going to be. So. It will be those two. I don't. I don't know uh, if it'll be Dallo or Wambasaka. You can make a case for both of them, so, or against both of them, quite easily, given yep. that they're both not good enough. Yep. N- neither of them are, are really making a case for themselves. I think I would. I don't know. I would probably play Wambasaka because I don't think Dallo gives you anything going forward. It, it doesn't give anything at the back either. It was no surprise. One of the goals came down his side yesterday against Spurs. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing, the, the fullbacks for United will, assuming that it's a straight 4-4-2 that, that Madrid play, and they've they've swapped it around a few times this season, but assuming it is, you know, the, the fullbacks will be sort of important. They don't play with super width, Atletico, as we saw in the first game. It's the centre-backs that scare the crap out of me. Because whatever combination of Griezmann, Felix, Suarez, um, and the guy who's actually scoring the goals, whose name I forget right now, uh, whatever combination um, it is of that, they're all like little nippy fellas, aren't they? But in midfield, yeah, in midfield, though, they're tough more than dominating. More than quality, Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you want to... The best way to defend is obviously for the ball to be down the other end, which is one of the problems you have if you're not pressing, because that is one of the most effective ways of keeping the ball down the other end. Whereas when you sit back and invite pressure and your defence is nonsense, that is obviously problematic. But I don't know. The other question, I guess, is I'm assuming Pogba probably won't play 
at the beginning. It will be Fred. Assuming Bruno's fit. Bruno's ill. Yeah, Fred McTominay and Bruno, if if those if they're all available, and then I don't know what you do ahead of that. There'll obviously be Sancho and Ronaldo, and then one of the other three. I, Unless you try and match them up and go four four two, but I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think he will. And given Rashford's performance, I and Alanga wasn't brilliant when he came on, but I suspect it's Alanga, Sancho, Ronaldo up front, Fred McTominay, Bruno midfield, yeah. De Gea, Maguire, Varane, Wan Bissaka, and then I'm not sure if Shaw's fit or not, so that decision may be made for him. So that looks like the eleven. The problem is, and I felt like this when in the last year of Fergie, when we lost to um, Madrid, and I found it very hard to get agitated about that because I knew that we had avoided a hiding from a much better team. And Madrid got battered by Dortmund, I think it was, eventually. And the problem now is that the teams that might batter you are the teams by whom you least want to get battered. They've already battered you this season. <laughs> at least once. Yes. That's not a good way of looking at it, though, is it? I mean, it's it's good football analysis, isn't it? <laughs> let's get let's get beaten by this lot so we don't get smashed by Liverpool later. Well, then, yeah, it happened, it happened the year, the first year of Ole, when we beat Paris. Yeah. And then thinking, well, if we somehow finagle away past Barcelona, then what? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, what I... happens if City are in the, have already won the league and they're playing us to win the European Cup as well? You made a bold case for United, though, earlier, um, a few weeks ago, saying, hey, look, you know, United could go far in this, this tournament. I mean, they are one-off games and, you know, maybe, but yeah. I changed my mind. I, I did think that. And yep. I really changed my mind. The Atletico, the first game against Atletico changed my mind because that showed me that I couldn't trust them not to bottle any game at any time yeah. en masse. Yeah. And you can't, why would they not be petrified playing a Champions League semi-final against Liverpool or City? Who, they, who everyone knows, everyone knows they're both better than them. Yeah. How are they, how are they getting out of that? I just, I don't, yeah, they're, they're pathetic. They disgust me. What do you want me to say? I don't <laughs> so let me paint a scenario for you. City have won the league and the FA Cup and United have somehow scrapped their way into the Champions League final in Paris in the end of May. And City have got a chance to win the treble. Do we do we take that scenario now? You're presented with it now. Do you take it with the, with the chance that United no. can win the European Cup or do you not take it because it's a chance that City can do the treble? No. I, I imagine that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not like lose City winning a treble as United had done by gubbing United in Paris is not something my life requires. No, <laughs> no. It's uh, they they say you get less risk tolerant as you get older. The thought of that is haunting the nightmares of my unborn grandchildren. <laughs> no. All right. So, uh, got any thoughts on what the score is going to yep. be in this one? You know, how do you feel about it? Because I have no idea what United performance is going to come out. I think United will find. I think United will find a way in this one. Yeah, yeah. I suspect just about, but I'm not confident about it. But this is what Ronaldo's here for, right? This is what he's supposed to. This is against the team he loves scoring in the competi- competition. He loves scoring. You know, this is why he calls himself the goat. Which is not acceptable, but he does. It's funny. You sometimes hear every. Sometimes you hear sports people talk about themselves like that, 
and they are that good. Yeah. So it sounds reasonable when they say it. Judd Trump was doing it the other day. It sounded all right because he is as good as he was saying that he was. And Rooney, <laughs> in the Rooney film where he says, "Yes, well, yeah. I just thought I was the best player in the world at the time. And it's like, well, yeah, you were pretty close to that, if not that. And so I don't, I don't mind it exactly. It's to me, it's more the kind of the fact that it's him and he should just shut up. Yeah. And like really just shut up. The kitschy internet PA like PR team aspect yep. of it. Just I don't does Ronaldo really talk about goats? I don't know. I mean I don't I, know what that guy talks about. He's so odd. I yeah, I don't know. He struck up a friendship with, with Tom Brady, apparently. Which all seems a bit weird. Uh, and and the other the other funny quote I um, saw this weekend, which was uh, Giorgio Cellini uh, called Paul Pogba the LeBron James of football. I don't know whether that's a last minute bid to get Pogba to resign for Juve, or he's just not being very creative in his analogies. I'm not sure. Yeah, the new Vieira. What's he talking about? Um, he's yeah, not, he's not the LeBron James in in any, any way, that any fashion. I no. that I am aware of. I can't, yeah. Pogba was, yeah, not again. I said, I'm going to say it again, that his inability to hold on to the ball yesterday, it was, was not alone. In, he was not yeah. alone in that, but constantly giving it away in dangerous areas and allowing them to counter off him. Yeah, I don't think Pogba will start the next game, and I wouldn't start him in the next game. Unless they decide to start him on the left and play Sancho on the right. If I was going to do it, that would be where I would do it. That's an option, if... but he didn't do particularly well in the game before last when he played there. So No, he didn't. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. So you're calling it as a win for United. Maybe. I don't feel confident about this one. It could. I do. My trust in what Atletico will produce, I know, I because I think they are, even though it's not been a good season. They're pretty consistent in um, how they play. My trust in United is non-existent. So, there you go. And let us say amen. That's it for today, I think. We're back and stay tuned. We will have a chat about some Champions League and Premier League stuff. Everyone else will see you after the midweek game. Bye now. So, this is the backers bit. I thought... Could we delve into the Champions League a little bit first? Did you catch yeah, Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain and uh, Pochett- another Pochettino team bottling it? Is it too easy a narrative? Yes, I think so. In, in the, on this occasion, in that, number one, this team of bottlers <laughs> before yeah. him. And also, they were doing all right till the goalkeeper chucked one in. They were. And- they were. I'm, I'm being a bit facetious because I thought their game plan over the two legs was pretty good. I mean, they were they were much better in the first leg and didn't really get the reward for it. And in this one, the the goal was to break and they've got the players to do that. As long as you don't defend like total Muppets. Yeah, and I mean, it is also, yeah, sometimes like something just happens where players have a thing and that happened to Benzema. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Stunning hat-trick. I mean, I wanted Paris to stay in because I think they've got a better chance of beating City or Liverpool than Madrid do. But ultimately, I can't really see either of them doing it. It will require Bayern Munich. Who you you asked on last week's show to, you know, could they please be good? (laughs) And they were. They They were. And they were. Yes. Yeah, who's got the best hat-trick this week? 
Benzema, Ronaldo or uh, Lewandowski. I mean, yeah, you've obviously I mean, you've got to go for Benzema because of the circumstances, but the best goals were Ronaldo's, I would yeah. say. Yes. But yes. um I mean if Bayern if Bayern get if Bayern have their full team available, then good. How long's Goretzka out for? Yeah, I I think I think it's a long time, I thought. He's had a bit of He's had a he's had a lot of um, bad luck because of course he got COVID and was he got long COVID along with it and then I think it's a, is it a knee injury at the moment I might just be making that up. He's an important he's a very important player whether he plays in the back four or in central midfield is a very important player for them. And Alfonso Davis is also recovering from myocarditis and he's not. Yeah, yeah. I think what what has to happen what has to happen in the next round is City have to draw Liverpool. That would be nice. Get rid of one of them. Get rid of get rid of get rid of one. I feel like at this point, I mean, it's not much of a choice, is it? But I'd rather City were gone than Liverpool. In that, I know what Liverpool winning the Champions League is like. I had it, grew up with it, so I'm familiar with it. And also, I don't think they're going to win the league. And I require the treble to be defended more than <laughs> I require any of the other things. I, I just don't, I don't want Liverpool winning another European Cup. It's just no, no, sickening. I, I, so. Liverpool getting to seven, seven would, like would be yeah. I mean they already yeah. have twice as many as we do. Well, it's not all about quantity. There's a fair amount in that. Yeah, it's a it's a suboptimal state of affairs. Even if yeah, getting to play Bruges and Gladbach in the final. I mean seriously, but yeah. um, yeah. I mean it's not. It will it will probably be City or Liverpool. Bayern are capable of beating either of them. I just wonder if they might be quick enough to keep up with Liverpool. Yeah, and those uh, key players are really two very important players for them. I mean, in the other the other results, I mean, Chelsea go to Lille this this week. Apparently, they prepaid for their travel, so they're allowed to spend some money because they're happy chance. Be, yeah, they're not going yeah, by yeah. bike. They'll be uh, taking Ryanair next time, <laughs> I think, given the restrictions on their travel budget. Uh, which I have to say, I quite enjoy. I do, I've got to be honest, it, the petty side of me quite enjoys the thought that they might be staying in a travel lodge um, and going but going by National Express. Perfect. I remember going to where United played CSKA away. I guess it was 09-10. Think, and, and being annoyed because I, that it wasn't going to be cold because I wanted the players to be cold. I want them to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> just like that's what football is all about it's like Charlie Brooker's once wrote a great line saying something like I don't like sport and I've never quite been able to understand it because all human suffering amuses me <laughs> right and like so much of sport because if you think about most people don't win yep so you've got to find your joy in other places and some of it just comes yep. from the experience of going and the people you go with and the day and all the rest of it yes yes but also you might see someone fall over or you might see someone get hurt or get hit in the balls or whatever it might be, and, or loot. And the Schadenfreude aspect of yeah. of team sport in particular is because it's very you're strong. not really meant to feel or enjoy those or brag about enjoying those sensations in real life. So sport is that opportunity, it's that conduit for you to true. behave in a manner that you, the state of nature, basically, the real you. It's true. If if, if a colleague in your office got whacked in the balls. You really shouldn't stand there pointing at him and laughing, should you? I don't. I don't think I'm too good to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if it's you there? You've been hitting the balls because you booted them in the balls. Then what? Oof! It's uh, 
you can't laugh at them after you boot them in the balls. <laughs> but sure, you just got to collect your you... things in a box and go, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I, I presume Chelsea will will coast that one, and we've got um, Madrid through. Juve Villarreal is poised. I think that's playing this week as well, isn't it? Yeah, I actually right. watched the first leg of that one. There's not, there wasn't loads between those teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not loads between Villarreal and anyone, to be honest. They're just, they're always one of those teams that drags everyone down to their level. Uh, yeah, they just, they high. don't have, they don't have the star quality really. They've got no. some good players, but think like in a in a doer game, you generally would pick the team with the better individuals in a game, but they will make it a doer game. Juventus had felt like they'd been improving, but. They didn't look up to much in that in that game at all. I haven't seen them since, but yeah, they were poor that night. But Vlavic scored a brilliant goal. Yeah, well, that's it in the Premier League this weekend. I mean, the big games were the Arsenal game, and I was watching it. I'm not, and I presume they won that one. Um, the Arsenal today. game, yeah, they won. Yeah, two they won that two 0 Yeah. So what I they're thought, doing now is they're beating the crap, they're beating the crap teams. Yeah. And, they're starting to do it quite comfortably. Even the games that have been tight, like the Watford game, shouldn't really have been a tight game. They were poor at the back, but they're starting to score goals. They hadn't, for a long time, they weren't scoring, and now now they're getting goals. And there's even if looking from the outside, you say, "Well, who actually have you beaten?" It almost doesn't matter because inside they feel they're gathering momentum and they're gathering confidence. So they are. If if you think it exists, it exists. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of there is a there's a yeah, they are momentum is come for them at exactly the right time. So whether by design or luck, the Chelsea Newcastle game. I mentioned this a bit earlier. You kind of feel dirty watching it, to be honest. You know, my eyeballs are I'm not directly co- contributing to the finances of either of this these scumbags, but you know, I was watching it, and it is their PR machine on show. Uh, and sadly, Newcastle were actually quite good. They have a functional team now. I'm amazed that Eddie Howe has done that because I never really thought much of him as a coach. I mean, he produced a Bournemouth side that got battered all the time. Take for they, he did have more money than a lot of the teams he was competing with, but keeping them up the first couple of seasons with basically the team that got them promoted was was a pretty good but effort. It is a pretty good achievement. And he's look, he's created a Newcastle side now that can defend properly and they were absolute shambles before that he's another one of those blokes like Arteta where I'm kind of thinking if you were my boss why would I feel like doing what you said yeah he does feel a bit wet maybe I might would I have whacked him and kicked him in the balls by now and just left I don't know (laughs) who knows but it's a nice thought experiment isn't it (laughs) he was pretty angry after the game Eddie Howe I mean they did get they got unlucky. They they got unlucky with Elba Havertz's elbow on Dan Burns. It probably should have. It's an it's like an orange, it's, isn't it? It's not it's not an obvious one. That I yeah. I mean I would I put would always err on the side of leniency with those. He scored. It was a brilliant goal. He scored. It was a brilliant goal. He scored though. A stunning finish. You know, Velcro Velcro boots, and then he's a prop. He was. He reminds me. Did I say this last week? He reminds me a bit of Berbatov. He does, yeah. In the kind yeah, of languid of... way that he's yeah. able to gather the ball on his toes without any kind of apparent sp- spikiness. Breaking of stride. Yeah, no, it was, it was absolutely perfect. And he felt like a player that Chelsea bought because they could. They didn't need him. Yeah. But they knew that if they waited another year, he'd go somewhere better. Right. Because he was really, really good the season before they got him for Leverkusen. So I, what did feel like a matter of time before... He started playing and and now he's yeah. playing. 
I mean, I, I feel like I always have a sort of a soft spot for him if he's keeping the Kaku out of the team. Because much as like I think the Kaku is probably a sound bloke, just in the f- footballing terms. So I'm sure he's a good bloke, the Kaku. But just as a Man United centre-forward, me and him were not we, we, we were not for each other. <laughs> I'm sure he feels the same, Dan. It's not, it's not him. It was not him. Yeah, exactly. It's not him. It was me. Um, but um, uh, yeah, Havertz is a really good player, so... He is, and he may or may or not have been lucky to stay on the pitch. The other, they were really, they were unlucky with a penalty shout as well, where he Chalobah had a, I can't remember who the Newcastle attacker was, but not Eddie, as unlucky as those eighty-one people that got f-ing beheaded by your paymasters yesterday, yes. dickhead. Because what actually happened was he got asked by Tarek Panja about those executions and said, "I'm just going to stick to football. I'm still bitterly disappointed about the result." I used the word tone deaf last week and you, you called me out on it and you know, which was <laughs> which was fair enough. I can't find the right words for for how missing the moment this is. I'm bitterly disappointed about the result. You've literally compared AU1 executions to a yes, football match. I know. I know. And Oh man. I mean, but but that is the whole point about the this project is to avoid those conversations and then switch it to a positive conversation that so, no one else is prepared to have yep. if you if, if Saudi was sitting there if the investment fund people were sitting there answering these questions you would I still think that Eddie Howe would be answerable because they're paying for it yep. they're paying his wages and you've got to reckon with that sunshine like these players that you're signing what it costs to get them yes. is not just money but no one he's the only person you can get to Yes. So yeah, you're going to, he's going to be asked some questions, and I'm sorry, Eddie, if you find atrocity and death bitterly disappointing, and you are as sick as a parrot. <laughs> but this is literally the pack that you have made. Uh huh. And yeah, if you don't like it, if you don't like these questions, then resign. Well, no, exactly, exactly, and it does the bigger question beyond how is for all of us in football we've, we've had a reckoning with Abramovich because the government has forced it you know the Premier League weren't about to do anything and it's no lesser brutality is being rained down on the people of Yemen through Saudi and UAE bombing at the moment it's no lesser you know it's devastating 10 million people on the brink of starvation there are 100,000 dead. And it's not a political rant I'm on. It's just, this is facts. It's brutal, brutal war. And we have welcomed these states into our community. The Premier League community will give each other a hug here. I think it's right that we, Tarek, ask that question. That we all reckon with what it means to have this dirty money in our game. And when they pay your wages and they've made you a very rich man, yeah. however grateful you are, to them for that like what you what he's really not liking here is being reminded of himself yeah for and sure i felt like that with Tuch- i felt like that with Tuchel as well yes it's a hundred percent that yeah. when he when he started to lose his cool he's not getting frustrated of what do you want me to say it's they're holding up a mirror at you and you don't like what you see yeah and you've been trying to avoid looking at yourself for quite some time yeah and that's what this is and there's nothing else to say, really. You made you ha- you made your decision, and you continue to make that decision every single day. There it is, for sure. Guardiola was asked this week about the situation at Chelsea, and he was like, "I feel very sorry for Tuchel. It must be a very difficult situation." I mean, this is Guardiola, <laughs> I, 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 you know. Just the oh man, again, just the barefacedness of it to not recognise 
your own owners. And of course, Guardiola has occasionally been fairly sort of kind of hinted at some kind of view on Catalan separatism uh, and worn a yellow ribbon and stuff like that. Him and Tuchel remind the same in the sense that it feels like they're so in love with football and themselves and football as part of being in love with themselves and themselves as part of being in love with football that they get to the point where they feel that anything in the service of the football is acceptable. Yeah. The football is a moral end in and of itself. And I don't even object to that. Like, I love the fact that football represents that thing to all those people until we're actually dealing with serious moral issues, at which point football has to, I'm afraid, fuck off. Exactly. And that's, but that's why, as you, as you, as you mentioned on this pod before, that's why football is used as that tool. Because it reaches deep into people, people's psychology. You know, Chelsea fans singing about Roman Abramovich even after they know that he is supplying, you know, the steel for the tanks that are, you know, driving towards Kiev and about to level the fucking city. And looking at it from a different angle, there was a guy who's going all around the internet saying, "Why should we suffer?" And it's just, mate, it's not suffering. Yes, and it's not know, real suffering. Suffering isn't, yeah. suffering isn't when Chelsea were crap in the second division for the car park behind the goal either. That is not suffering. That's just football. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. suffering. They are not going to be returning to the days of the old shed anyway. And no one has the right to watch a good football team. Right. That's not a human right like freedom of speech, freedom of association, not being killed by your own, not being killed by the people who are there to protect you. Yeah. Well, that kind of so, thing. So they've... So, Chelsea is a club and Chelsea fans are supporters. I, like, I don't want them to be deleted as an institution. It's a difficult position for football as a whole to be in to say, hey, I'd like this club to disappear. It's, it's not a hardship if they no longer have money. And in fact, they've been given special provision by the government who wrote out this licence, setting the rules in which they can operate until the club is sold, purely because it is a football club and football clubs have a social position. If this was any other business... The assets would have been frozen and it would have ceased to function. And that, ha- that has happened right across Europe and the States with many of the oligarchs that, who've been sanctioned by different governments around the world. And Chelsea were given special provision because they're a football club. So, And the government, I guess, didn't want to piss off a whole bunch of Chelsea fans by ending the institution, which they could have done. And that's the thing, like the suffering of a football club, because people think that way about their football clubs and think about it as themselves, it feels like a tragedy. Yeah. And it is not. No, no, there's a real tragedy happening right now. Yeah. Anyway, after that, I don't really want to talk about any of the other games. Uh, The relegation games, let's touch on that briefly. So Everton lost again. They are dreadful. Funnily enough, Fat Frank has a a thing for them he didn't do much at Chelsea and he didn't do much at Derby either it's such a it's so weird that he's got this reputation in football that he's now got three biggish jobs uh, I don't get it um but they're in desperate trouble because Burnley well Burnley lost to Brentford Brentford were pretty good in that one Ericsson again just beautiful ball in for Ivan Tony's goal in that game uh, and then Leeds won. So Everton are deep, deep in trouble. I think they're only, if I'm right in saying, they're only a point ahead of Burnley now. They're level on points with Watford to a third bottom. Right. And a point ahead of Burnley to right. a second bottom. <laughs> this is tremendous. And so Leeds now, but Leeds have played three games more than them. Yep. No, sorry, Everton. Everton have got three games in hand. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you can't win, but Burnley can't win either. But three games in hand... And they're four points behind Leeds. But Leeds are the kind of team 
that you think will win games because the way that they play, they'll win a few and they'll lose a few. It, I mean, looking at it now, I want to say it's going to be Everton, but it does look like... Looking at it now, I do think it will be the bottom three. The bottom now, because Everton will just find enough goals. Yeah, maybe. They've only scored 28 this season. That's fewer than Watford has scored. Yeah, Calvert-Lewin's hardly, Calvert-Lewin's hardly yeah, played yeah. at all. He's someone I've never quite got. As someone who people sort of suggest might be like a, a cheaper a cheaper Haaland. If you can't get Haaland, you get him. Don't I? I don't get him. I don't think he's not. I don't think he's rubbish, but I think that he's very reliant on service. And yeah. With a centre forward, you want someone. Yeah, sure. You want someone who's going to score you some one-touch finishes in the box, get you some near-post headers. But you also could use someone who can make and score goals yeah. themselves. Like Rude, for example. He doesn't. He didn't get many assists, but he made a lot of goals oh, for, for himself sure. that weren't goals. Do he got on the ball? You want that? If you're number, if you're going to have a number nine like that. Calvert-Lewin isn't spinning on the halfway line and going around three players and scoring like Rude did. And you know which guy no. I'm talking about. So it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's, yeah, I don't see it with Calvert-Lewin. No, I don't. Unfortunately, Haaland, uh, a few reliable people are saying this week he has effectively agreed to join City this summer, which is deeply oh sad. My God. Deeply sad. I hadn't heard that and I was happy not to have heard that. Yeah. I was always heard he wanted to go to Spain, but... yeah. It's it's the the Real Madrid's problem is the finances of doing Mbappe this summer, and Haaland. Uh, even though Mbappe's are free and Haaland's seventy five million euros, uh, it's the agents' fees that go along with all of that. So and the wages and yeah, the wages, the yeah. That. They they need they need to do it the summer afterwards, and it just depends if Haaland is not prepared to wait one more year, because then Dortmund would the the release clause wouldn't be in there. So anyway. We'll leave the backers content on that lovely note that City are going to be even better than us next season. <laughs> oh man, what a state of affairs! I know we're only look. Hey, we're only nineteen points behind them. It's uh, it's not a good state of affairs. Anyway, thanks everyone. Bye. <laughs>